are up here. And so just be prepared for that. It's going to be good. Welcome to the Calling Community Church. My name is Pastor Brady Testorf. Excited to be here with you today. Wanted to give you a few a quick um, announcements, especially if it's your first time here and you're thinking, hey, what are, we, what are we supposed to do? What do we do with this bulletin that they handed us? Why is there a tear-off sheet? Well, that's because you're supposed to tear it off, fill it out, and at the end of the service, drop it in the basket as you leave today. Also, if you came prepared to give an offering, thank you so much. And we do take that offering up as you're leaving. And so drop it in the basket along with your attendance sheet. Now, if you say, well, I don't really have any money to give. Well, that's the reason why we give you that attendance sheet, because you always can feel like you can drop something in while you're walking away. So make sure everybody, right, everyone, all you people who've been here forever, fill out your attendance sheet. I see you. I know you're here. But make sure you do that. If you have a prayer request, place that on the back of the sheet, too, because we love to be able to pray uh, with you and for you um, this coming week. So, I need, I need some kids. I need some first through fifth graders. Matter of fact, if you're a kid and you're old enough to hear my voice and hear what I'm saying and walk up here, I need you to come up here to this bag right now. Come on. Don't wait. Come now. We don't got all day. All right. Let's go. Even if it's your first time here, that's okay. I'm not going to make you do a dance or anything. Come on up all the way up to the steps here. Come, come on. The more the merrier. If it's just a couple of you, just, just come on. And if you're intrigued as an adult what's in this bag, you can come too. All right. Or you can stay where you're at. Just come on up. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he knows. You, you guys recognize each other. That's right. Hey, you go to church. That's cool. Okay, come on up. So let me ask you guys a question. Uh, what do you think is in this bag? Any ideas? Any guesses? What do you think? Wait, wait do we have a microphone? We do have a microphone. I love to... to Use the microphone. All right. All right, so thinking, what do you think is inside this bag? Uh, I've got no guesses. You have no guesses. You want to check just to make sure there's nothing alive in there? Could be a puppy or a lot of puppies. I don't know. Autumn, what do you think? Books. Books. Good, good guess. Nothing. Nothing's in the bag. It's just air. I'm just tr tricking you. I don't know. Stuff. Stuff. That's a general answer. If you never know the answer, just say stuff, all right? Movies. Movies? <laughs> I don't know. Books. Books? Gift cards. Gift cards. <laughs> Cash. Come on around this way. Come up this way. A little bit more. Everybody can get on the stage. Noah, what do you think's in the bag? Shirts. Shirts? Hmm. What do you think, sir? Oh, you already said gift cards. That's right. Are you, are you looking for a gift card? Do you need to get where? If you got a gift card, where would it be? I don't know. You don't know what's your favorite place to eat? I don't know. You don't know? I'm going to create a restaurant one of these days called I Don't Know because everybody wants to go there. What do you think's in the bag, Miss Daisy? What's in there? Hmm, do you know? Say um, Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> Lily, what do you think? What do you think's in the bag? Dolls. Dolls? Oh, you are pretty close. Hey, do me a favor, sir. Hold the microphone. First of all, I'm going to make sure. Are you okay in there? I said yes. Uh-oh, the zipper's stuck. 
Did you have any idea? Well, it, there's, check this out. Look at these shoes, size 22. Anybody wear size 22 shoes? Maybe one of these days. You, you, you're going to need a gift card for shoes, special made shoes. And check this out. Look at these pants. Anybody wear size 80 pants? Noah, do you think these will fit you? No, a little too big. All right, and then check this out. Look at this. He's got some big hips, doesn't he? Now you know why he has to have size 80 pants. Do you know what this is? you know who this is? Who is it? Casey Wolf. Casey Wolf. That's right. Casey Wolf is the chief's mascot. Did you guys know that I have a part-time job and I am a substitute for Casey Wolf? Did you guys know that? Do you know, do you know that I get in the costume and run around in the costume and dance and do kind of all kinds of funny stuff. Did you know that? You did not know that? Well, now you know. And so, so here's, there's a guy named Dan, who's the real Casey Wolf. I am not the real Casey Wolf, by the way. There's a guy named Dan Mears. Anybody know Dan Mears? You ever met Dan, heard Dan talk before? Incredible guy, incredible godly man. And Dan uh, asked me one day if I could help him out and be Casey Wolf for him when he couldn't be in the costume. And so, so this is what I do part-time. And when I am in the costume, you know what my goal is? Not just to make people smile. That's always my goal. I always pray, God, help me not hurt myself or hurt somebody else and help me bring joy to somebody today. But my real job is to be so much like Dan, everybody thinks it's him. And then they don't think it's me. And people will come up to me and they're like, Dan, is that you? Dan, how's your family? And I'm always like, thumbs up, the family's good. You know? Dan, how are you feeling? Thumbs up, feeling fine. Dan, did you, did you see me at church the other day? Sure, yeah. You know? And always, when I, Dan speaks at schools all over the United States, and there's always a kid that says, Dan, remember me when you came to that school? And I'm like, sure, I remember you out of a thousand kids. Of course. So that's my part-time job. Isn't that a weird part-time job? It's kind of funny, isn't it? Okay, awesome, you guys. Hey, go on down. Give him a hand. <laughs> it's kind of creepy if I just put it like right here. <laughs> I don't know if it, st- it is creepy. It's not going to stay. <laughs> we'll just put it right there. Now, I try never to do anything without a purpose, and there's a reason why I did this. And I'll unpack that for you in just a little while. But if you're new, and if this is your first time here, maybe just a guest, your visitor for for a different reason, just to let you know, we have been going over a series of messages, uh, unpacking these things called holy habits, or spiritual disciplines, things that we can practice in order to grow closer to God, uh, closer to one another and be prepared to be sent out like like we are the ones who gather to be scattered as a church the church gathers on Sunday morning to be scattered out throughout the week to be the hands and feet of Jesus to be representations of Jesus to the rest of the world and we want to be prepared to do that so we've been since January we've been talking about how can we practice disciplines to be more like Christ 
How can we become more like him? And so that when we are out in our world, out in the community, we can touch people with the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. That's, that's what we're called to do as the church. If you're coming to church for any other reason than that, you're missing the boat. You're missing it. He wants you to, to, to learn how to, to know him and to love him so that you can give that away to other people. And it's such, that message is so personal to me and so close to my heart that I want to, you know, I have completely changed what it was I was going to preach about this morning. You know, like I, there's just something that, there's just something else God wants to say. It's kind of the same thing, but it's a little bit different. You don't know that because you don't look at my notes. You have no idea what I was going to say this morning. But we have been going through this series and I just want to real quick, just give you a quick review and then we'll jump in. So we wanted to begin this year, like I said, with this goal to grow closer to God, one another, and to be sent out. And so we, uh, we worshiped, we prayed, remember? Remember MC Hammer, the great theologian? We prayed just to make it today, all right, yeah, we prayed. <laughs> oh yeah, we prayed. We studied the Bible, we fasted, and then we partied. If you missed it, if you weren't here the day that we had pancakes and Chris cakes, you should have been here, all right? You should just show up every week so you never know what's going to happen, all right? Don't miss. Maybe we'll do it again sometime this summer. But we had Chris Cakes come, and we just left church early, and we went over to the cafeteria, and we fellowshiped together. We enjoyed each other's company. It was awesome. But then the next week, we rested. And then we were encouraged to pursue our own unique calling. Like every single one of us have a unique calling in our life. Not all of us are called to pastor a church. Not all of us are, are called to get inside of a goofy mascot costume that stinks, by the way. Um, we're just not all called to do that. Everyone has a different calling. Jeff owns his own business, and, it's, and it owns him most of the time because that guy is busy all the time. That's his calling. It's his individual calling. It's called Jeff's True Value. A little plug for you, Jeff. Free advertising. Go check him out after church today. Buy some stuff. He did, not, he did not ask me to do that, I promise. But I do need to borrow the box truck a couple days from now, all right, just to let you know. <laughs> my wife, blame that on my wife, Jeff, I'm sorry. It's, it's all her fault. We, uh, we simplified, we decluttered, we simplified our life. We got rid of a bunch of stuff and then we took it to the thrift store and we talked about how that felt to get rid of those things. We humbled ourselves to become servants like our, the humble king who rode in on a donkey into Jerusalem. That was the Palm Sunday. And then we, then we jumped into Easter. We, uh, we talked about the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We celebrated that, and then it was followed by the coldest and the quickest Easter egg hunt of all time. We went out into the football field, and we were done literally within minutes. There was one cracked egg and some chocolate left, and that was it. A thousand eggs gone, just like that. It was a great day. A few weeks ago, we talked about what it looks like to be all in for God. Remember that? Are you all in? Everything, you're giving everything to him. And then last week, we spent some time around this idea of what it looks like to be a spiritual leader, having a, a, a place of influence. And wherever it is that God calls you to be, you have influence in that area. You touch people's lives, um, whether for the good or for the bad. <laughs> we have influence on people. We, you know, parents have influence on their kids and husbands and wives have influence on each other. And uh, kids, we have influence on, you have influence on your peers. You know, that's a beautiful picture because I see, a, I see a young girl, Taylor, right here with my daughters. And they influenced her with the gospel. She gave her life to Jesus at college and got baptized. My daughter got to baptize her. Isn't that incredible? It's a great story. Yeah. Some people think, 
You go to college to, to get educated and to party for four years and, and then pick up life where, where you left off. But no, she came with a purpose. God had a purpose for her. And she was influenced by others around her. That's spiritual leadership. And that's a great segue into today's message about what it means to make disciples. Who make disciples who make disciples. And so... As a, this is my illustration, as a, as a disciple of Dan Mears, I was called by Dan to follow him and be like him. Do you get that? Um, and my training was about five minutes. <laughs> Put on the costume, be animated, dance around, don't flirt with really attractive ladies, stay away from them. Um, you don't have to smell good, just don't smell bad, and be a character with character. That's what my training was. And he said, I want you to go be me at this hospital for two hours in 95 degree heat on a Monday afternoon. And I was a sucker and I did it. I just happened to be his height and he knew I was a person of integrity. He could trust me in the costume. And he said, I'm calling you to be me. Okay, do you get it? This is very important that you get this. Because this is what the message is about. Because that's what Jesus is calling us to do. He's calling us to be him. Okay? Dan can't be everywhere. So I'm called to be him when I get in the costume. And I want to be as much like him as possible. And so I watched videos and I studied his moves. His, the way he shakes his hips and the way he dances and the way he does certain things. Because I want to emulate Dan as Casey Wolf. In the biblical context, that is what disciples are called to do. They are called by a rabbi to follow that rabbi to become like them. And in matter of fact, you were, if you wanted to be just like your rabbi, you followed them so closely. You emulated everything that they did. You even chewed like they chewed their food. Now that's weird, all right? You chewed like they chewed their food. You wanted to be so close to your rabbi that the dust of his feet would come up off of him and get onto you. And that was a compliment when someone would look at you and say, you've been covered by the, feet of your, or the dust of your rabbi. You've been following him so closely that you look and smell and, and act just like him. That was a compliment. And as a follower of the rabbi, the student's desire was to become like him and to eventually become a rabbi himself. To be a teacher, that was the ultimate goal, is to be the leader, the teacher of others, so that they could be your disciples, so they can go out and make more disciples. Now, I'm not the only Casey Wolf substitute. I'm not like the only one. There's a couple other guys that fill in for him as well, but their, their desire is the same, to be like Dan. So think about this. Think about this picture of Jesus is, he comes to earth, he begins his ministry, and then he begins to call others out of their everyday normal life. He says, leave what it is that you're doing and I want you to come follow me. And I want you to eventually be me on the earth because at some point I'm leaving. 
and I'm going to leave you here. Okay? Turn with me to the book of John. John chapter 1. And here's, here's the great news. Listen. Here's the great news about the fact that God is calling us to follow him. In earlier days, the rabbis would only pick the best of the best to follow them. But Jesus, on the other hand, he did not do that. He didn't look at the outward appearance. He instead looked at the heart of a man and he called that person to follow him. And that's good news for you and me, ladies and gentlemen. That means there's hope for us. That there's a chance for us. Matter of fact, I ran across this quote. It says, Christianity is about discipleship, about following, following uh, Jesus. It's about rejects, average, flawed people following in his steps with only one goal, and that is to be more like him. It's a beautiful picture. So look at this passage of Scripture. John chapter 1, okay? John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, okay? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's talking about Jesus. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Christ was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. So Jesus is this, this light that comes into the world. He is, uh, he is the flesh, the, the, the word of God the, is made flesh dwelling among his people, and that's Jesus. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Okay, that's a guy named John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify the light, about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, the true light that gives light to everyone who is coming into the world, or that true light was coming into the world. So, so I'm not the Casey Wolf. I'm just someone who represents him. And John was not Jesus, but he came to represent him and to point other people to him. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Did you know that? People, people still rejected Jesus, even though he came and revealed himself to them fully to his own people, and the people did not recognize him. It was crazy. They missed it. Some of them missed the fact that he was there in, his, in, the, in their presence. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name. It's a key point. To those who believe in his name, <clears throat> who were not born of natural descent or of the will of the flesh. I mean, Rosie, we're going to celebrate Rosie here in a little while. She was born of the flesh. She was born of a decision between a man and a woman to create this life. But this life that we are born into is different than that. But we're born from God. So the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. And we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this is the one whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Don't miss that point because Jesus was, has existed before John and he came after him and he's higher than him. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So every rabbi, every teacher had their own yoke. 
their own set of teachings, their own desire, ways that you should live and follow him. Like, hey, this is my yoke, come and follow me. Uh, Dan has his own particular yoke. This is his, his, his calling. Uh, me as a pastor, the way I preach, the way I teach, the, my vision for this church is different than the guy down the road. Now, there's some similarities. Obviously, we should believe that Jesus is the Word made flesh and dwelt among us, and he was the God in the flesh, and he was man and God. And There's some things that we should believe about Jesus that are true, but my teaching and my vision is different than other, pre- other pastors. And if you stay around long enough, you might say, hey, I love Pastor Brady's vision. I, I want to follow that. I want to I come underneath his yoke, his teaching, and go with him to accomplish work here on the earth. Or you might say, ah, not my style, and then you go somewhere else and find another yoke. All right? Does that make sense? Okay. So Moses taught one thing, but Jesus came with grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, the one, and o- um, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. Jesus has revealed God to the people. That's what Jesus did. He's the visible image of the invisible God. So listen to this. This was John's testimony when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? He didn't deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. What then, they asked him, Are you Elijah? I am not, he said. Are you a prophet? No, he answered. Who are you then? They asked. We need to give an answer to those who send us. What can you tell us about yourself? And he said, I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, making straight the straight way for the Lord, just as Isaiah the prophet had said. Now they had been sent, it says, from the Pharisees. So they asked him, why then do you baptize? You aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet. And John says, I baptize with water, John answered them. Someone stands among you, but you don't know him. He is the one coming after me whose sandal strap I'm not even worthy to untie. All this has happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Okay? Uh, John was saying, this is my particular calling. This is my yoke. I have my own disciples, and this is what I'm teaching them. Baptism unto repentance, that you should come and get clean, go under the water, come up out of the water, and be clean from your sin. But there's someone better than me coming. So the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and listen to what he says. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Listen, that has never been said about another rabbi ever. There's been some good rabbis, there's some great teachers, some great people who have been followers of God and who have done great things among, uh, among men, but no one has ever said this about them, that he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Only one person has ever claimed that. And his name is Jesus. Therefore, Jesus is the greatest rabbi. Therefore, Jesus is the one whom we should want to follow. Because he is the one who takes away the sin of the world. He says, this is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on Jesus. I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one who the Spirit descends on is resting on. He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testify that he is the Son of God. The next day, John, now listen to this, John was standing with two of his disciples, okay? He's standing with two of his followers, two of the people who have given up everything to follow him, And he sees Jesus and he says, look, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this 
and follow Jesus. When he saw Jesus passing, it says, um, when Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? That's a great question. It's a great question for all of us, young and old. If you can understand my voice, listen. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? Who are you looking for? What are you wanting out of this life that you've been given? Who are you looking for? Or what are you looking for? Then they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and you will see, he replied. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He found his own brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ, and he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, follow me. Come be my disciple. Come be like me. Come and learn from me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the, pro and so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And I, I like this, this, this say. He goes, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked. You know, there's, there's this question now. Can anything good come out of following Jesus? Can anything good come out of coming to church? Should I really get up and go to church in the morning? Should I invest my life in some, a few other people? Should I go? Should I, should I give? Should I serve? I don't know. Can anything good come from this? And there's always some doubt, right? There's always some doubt that the enemy, I believe, puts in our mind. And we think, well, do you really want to do that? Do you really want to go there? You might go there and they might not, they might not love you. They might not, rec they might not welcome you just because if they don't know who you are. They may treat you differently or whatever it is. There's all kinds of doubt that gets put into our head. How can anything good come out of Nazareth, he said. And then it said, um, <laughs> I love it, it says, come and see, Philip answered. And then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Hey, listen, by the way, wherever you are, Jesus knows that, and he sees you. He sees you right where you're at. And he, and he loves you, and he's calling you today. <laughs> it's, a, it's an incredible thought. Rabbi Nathaniel replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You'll see even greater things than this. Then he said, truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Listen, the point I really want to get across to you is what was going on in this story. As each one of those people began to follow Jesus, the first thing that they did is they went to somebody else and reached out to them and said, you've got to come and see. You've got to come and meet him. That's discipleship. Disciples go and reach other people to become disciples. This is what this picture is all about. I was at a concert on Thursday night with a few people from our church. And while we were there, this guy came out and he preached this really 
uh, quick message about the good news and about the hope that is offered through Christ. And th see this picture. I don't know if you see it or not, but it's a picture of Jesus' hand reaching down and grabbing a hold of somebody else's hand, a hand that is drowning, a hand that is into fire, a hand that needs to be rescued, offering them hope. Do you see it? That's what Christianity is. It's about those who have discovered hope in Christ. And the Bible says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Like you have this, this, this incredible hope and expectation of seeing Jesus uh, someday face to face. But until that day, we have a purpose and a plan. We have a, we have a mission to accomplish here on earth. We need to reach out and give hope to other people. If you've been given hope, you've got to find somebody to give it away to. Okay? And you can do that in a couple different ways. You can do that in a few different places. The first place is you can do it in home. And I want to challenge parents, I'm going to challenge families today that that is your number one responsibility is you give that hope away in your home. And you teach your children about Jesus. There's no, there's no plan B. It's your responsibility to teach your children about Jesus. And we're going to equip you today and we're going to bless you today to do that. If you're a family here today and you have kids living in your home, this day is for you. The second one is, is you, you offer hope in your workplace or at school. If you're a student in school, you offer hope there. You're the one who has it and you're reaching out to offer it to someone else. Does that make sense? Just like in the story, they went to his brother. Hey, I found the one that they talk about. You've got to come meet him. Come and see for yourself. If you have doubts, come and see. If you, you, don't, you don't think the church will love you, come and see. And then I hope that the people in our church that are regulars here, you will do your job and be nice and friendly and love them and be authentic, all right? If someone wasn't loving and friendly to you today, shame on them, all right? That, that's our responsibility. So in your workplace, in your school, wherever it is, God places you. And then there's a third place. And Jimmy and I were talking about it today. There's a third place. It's the places that you go when you frequent and you keep running into the same people. It might be Waffle House. All right, it's Waffle House gospel. <laughs> you go often enough that you know the cook's name and you know the waiter's name or the waitress's name and you build a relationship with them and you begin to express to them that I know where you can find hope because Christianity is just one beggar telling another, another beggar where to find some bread. I know a story about a guy who was a, was, was a, a drug addict. He dealt dope and then one day he found Jesus and he found hope. <laughs> And his son told a story, tells a story about his son getting up on the, um, the table at Pizza Hut in the middle of a big crowd. He's like, hey, everybody, my dad used to do hope, and now he deals, or do dope, and now he deals hope. Puts you right on the spot. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, what do I do with that, all right? I got to give some hope away now. And that's what he's calling us to. He's calling us to that. So in our homes, uh, in, in the places that we find ourselves, at work, school, whatever, and then in our third places, in the places you frequent often enough where you get to know those people and you can offer them the hope that you have found in Christ. Because if you have it and you don't give it away, you know what it's like? It's, like? it's like this. It's like me looking at this costume and thinking, man, wouldn't it be awesome to get inside the costume? Is the costume really going to do its job if it just sits there, if it just hangs in my, in my, in my garage and never comes out of the garage? But, you know, what, what, maybe, maybe if I get in the costume in my garage, but I stay in my garage and I never leave, is it still accomplishing its task? No. In order for it to come alive, I have to get inside of it 
and I have to go out and I have to put my plan into action. I have to go put myself in sometimes awkward and vulnerable and weird positions. You know, it's, it is. It's just weird sometimes. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, it's the same thing. If you have the hope, if you have Christ living in you, which makes you come alive, then you've got to put it into practice. You've got to, the E, he's, he, he talked about this E. The E is you've got to execute the plan. You've got to do something with it. You cannot just listen to me talk about it and then walk out of here and never do anything with it. You can't. That is, that's, um, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for. It's malpractice. It's malpractice. Maybe you're here this morning and say, well, Brady, I don't even have that hope yet. I've never, I've never given my life to Jesus. We'll read John chapter 3, verse 16 and 18. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn you. He came in the world to save you. He'll save you by you believing in the, the very son that God gave. You will not perish. You'll have eternal life. But you will perish and not know eternal life if you, if you refuse to believe. You will. Because that's what scripture says. We're condemned by our unbelief. That's the only unforgivable sin. It's the sin of unbelief. And that's your choice. Because Jesus has demonstrated his love for us and he offers hope to us today. All right. Where's our baby? I want the uh, Campbell family to come up. Trish, will you come up too? Uh, as many as you want. You guys want to go ahead and you guys come on up too? We'll come up on the stage. It'd be easier. You want me? Yeah, come up because I don't want to stand in front of these speakers, otherwise, it might feed back. I think this is a great. You guys, go ahead and come on up. This is a great um, day to do this because this is this is the picture of the beginning steps of discipleship for a kid in your family. The first step is to come on out, you guys. Trish, you want to? <laughs> the first step is to dedicate yourself. To being a disciple. It's to, it's to dedicate yourself as a husband and a wife to know Jesus and to teach your children about Jesus. And so one of the things, Trish, when you grab the book and the certificate. One of the things that we love to do is give families um, tools like these books. And the one book is a prayer book. It's 60 different prayer promises to pray over your children. And that's something my wife has done faithfully for her children for years and she's prayed over her kids and then of course we have a little certificate there that uh, has their name on it you find my uh, paperwork here and then this is some coffee because if you're gonna have kids you're gonna need some <laughs> especially with four babies <laughs> beautiful babies and Ryan likes coffee, and so I like to, <laughs> like to bless him. That coffee came from uh, Guatemala. That's right. Well, let, ladies and gentlemen, this is Rosie Dale Campbell, and she's sleeping, so we're just going to let her continue to sleep. And this is her big brother, Noah, and her big sister, Daisy. And Lily is out there. Hi, Lily. <laughs> Hi, baby girl. Rosie Dale Campbell was born on January 9th, 
2018. She was six pounds, three ounces, 18.5 inches long. And she was named Rosie because they had two other flowers and they needed to complete the garden there. <laughs> and they added another flower. And her middle name is Amanda's dad's middle name and Ryan's grandpa's middle name. Correct? Right? And Rosie is wearing the same dress that both of her sisters wore at their dedication. And Amanda's grandma, who is here today with us, she's, she's right, oh, she's back there, you guys move back there. She's trying to escape. Um, Amanda's grandma made it and gave it to Amanda when she was a little girl on a glass doll and said, this is for your daughter someday to wear. And uh, her grandma is 90 years old and she's with us today. What a, what a blessing. And so this is a picture of what discipleship looks like because the dedication is not for salvation for the child. We're going to trust that when, someday when she gets old enough, she'll make that decision on her own because she's going to have a mom and dad who are teaching her about Jesus. This is God's design for family. Hey, beautiful. So listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your city gates. And so keep it always before your children so that they will grow to know Jesus as they get older. So let's pray. Trish, would you come and just pray? Pray a blessing over this beautiful family that you love just like I do. Father, we just uh, we thank you for the gift of life and for godly parents and godly family, just to hold this legacy in this family. Father, we, we pray that you will protect the walls of their home, the activities in their home, protect them physically, and give them rest and energy. <laughs> we pray for people to come alongside. I always pray for um, us as a church, Father, that we would be those parents to these kids when their parents are not available. And so we pray for just continued guidance and um, just that you would just lavish your grace and love on this family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Part of the original um, vision for our church is to um, empower and commission families to disciple their kids. I think sometimes the church uh, gets burdened by this responsibility like they're the only ones that are supposed to do it and that's just not the way it's designed. It's got to first happen in the home and then the church augments and supports and celebrates and encourages and comes alongside you to help teach the same truth. And so um, I, want to, I want to just encourage you with something real quick. Discipleships in, in families uh, can look as unique as, as each family looks. 
because every family's different. Every family's got their own unique um, structure. And so just a couple of things that I see um, discipleship that has already happened in families in our church. For one, I see it right in front of me now because you brought your kids to church. You came with your children to church. You brought them here to hear, to, to be blessed. I see it in a family that brings their kids to serve with them at the treasure chest. Like when it's their night to serve, they don't leave their kids at home. They bring them and let them serve. They let them get hands dirty and hearts touched by the people that they're blessing. I saw it um, this week on Facebook when a mom was reading the Bible to her little girl, introducing her to the Bible. I saw it the other night at a concert where I found this painting. There was a family that was there. They had three little kids, and the one little girl um, the dad had her, had her on his shoulders, and she had her arms extended, and she was singing, and she was praising, and she was rejoicing. And the parents had her there to be, to be exposed to that. And I saw it, and I've seen it in a family that is a part of our church that has gone through the greatest pain imaginable, and that is losing a child. And I've seen them take that pain and turn it into something Beautiful by blessing other families that are going through the same thing they had to go through. Touching lives with their pain. Showing other people that there is hope even in the midst of a hopeless situation. That's discipleship. And we do that as a family. And we do that as a, as a body of Christ. 